Welcome to No Challenges Remaining. It is March 11th. I was supposed to be at Indian Wells. I'm Ben Rothenberg. I was supposed to be at Indian Wells, and I am not. I am home because as I was packing for that tournament, Indian Wells was canceled due to what is now officially, as of today, being called a global pandemic. The coronavirus, COVID-19, is really wreaking havoc with tennis and with the sports world, and obviously the much wider world than that. Uh, and to talk about it, bit more from a tennis lens, we have NCR's Middle East correspondent joining us again, Reem Abu-Layl. How are you doing, Reem? I'm good, Benjamin. How are you? Hanging in there, for sure. Now, I guess let's back up a little bit. You obviously just had your big stretch of the calendar happen in February, where the tours come through the Middle East and have tournaments in Doha and Dubai. Just to get a sense of how quickly this has come on, was there any, how much discussion was there, if any, of coronavirus during during those events in February, less than a month ago? Well, there there was discussion. It didn't affect the ATP and WTA tournaments in Dubai. And I was quite surprised because already uh, nurseries were shutting down and things like that. And there were some football matches that were already um, being held behind closed doors and things like that. But with the tennis, actually, it was one of the most well-attended tournaments in many years, It was both the men's and women's week. So I was quite surprised about that. But then immediately right after the ATP event, that's when things escalated here in the UAE. That's when they announced that schools were going to close. So actually, like my nephew's at home at the moment because he has two weeks where he's at home and then they're going to start like e-learning, like distance learning and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. For me, uh, actually, the tennis came to me, Fed Cup, the Fed Cup Asia zonal tie came to Dubai because it was moved twice, first from China it was supposed to be held in February and it was first supposed to be in China then it was moved to Kazakhstan and then it had to be moved again so it came to Dubai so actually Dubai stepped in last minute to host it and that's what I was covering the last week and it was one of those things where every day I I'm going to work thinking maybe it's not going to be held today so it was kind of touch and go yeah. but it the whole thing happened over the five days but there was like hand sanitizers everywhere like literally everywhere even the on-site hotel there was like a dispenser at the elevator so that when you enter the elevator you had just sanitized your hand before you touch a button <laughs> so it was quite it was like that and obviously there was a lot of conversation about it especially that it was the asia uh, zonal tie so like i spoke to a bunch of the players about it uh, the chinese players the chinese taipei players stuff like that i'm sure a cycling event you covered was also affected by this oh yes the uh, the uae tour which is actually like the a top tier cycling tour uh, so it's part of like the cycling world tour uh, they found two members of an Italian Italian team or a team that had Italian team members that tested positive. So there were two hotels that were hosting the cyclists and their teams and the journalists, the international media that were quarantined. There were about 600 people there. But I was surprised at how fast that uh, the UAE handled the whole situation. Like they they stepped in immediately. Everyone was tested. Some people got their tests within six hours. Everyone was cleared. They they said that they found five more cases. So like after the first two, mm. they found five more people from the 600 that they tested. And they it was all handled and people went home and people recovered and stuff like that. So that happened when the tennis was happening as well. Wow. 
Yeah, no, I mean, the sort of way it's been rolling out in the U.S. because it's been more gradual in that, in terms of Indian Wells, I mean, I was packing for Indian Wells literally when the email came in that it was being canceled on Sunday night. And I, was, and I actually was originally think, wanting to fly out on Sunday. I usually fly out on Sunday for that tournament. And this year, it was much cheaper to fly out on Monday. So I was going to fly out on Monday. Yeah, and I was supposed to yeah, initially fly I, on I Monday too. But then I, canc- yeah. I canceled before they canceled for personal reasons. But yeah, I would have taken yeah. the Monday flight. Yeah, no, I mean, so got a bit lucky there. But almost all the players were already in Indian Wells, I think. And it was just, it's a weird scenario where it was, you could kind of see it coming. Like you were sort of, like you were saying about Fed Cup waiting every day to see if it would keep going on. Like I was, any well, it seemed like it might start, but I was very skeptical that it would finish. Mm-hmm. Like that it would, you know, be able to play these entire two weeks, which now we're just recording this on the Wednesday, which would have, or sorry, on the Wednesday. Yeah, it's Wednesday. <laughs> Today's Wednesday. I don't know what time, what day of the week it is without a tennis tournament going on. Really, though, because I do, like, keep track of kind of, it is a different calendar I have in my head anyway. Yeah, it would have been the first day of main draw play at Indian Wells today, but it is now not that. And once, I think the main sort of sign for me was when South by Southwest canceled, which is a big annual March co- conference of all sorts of different stuff in Austin, Texas. And once that canceled due to coronavirus fears, I was thinking, like, how... How could tennis keep going? Tennis is this super global, you know, mixing bowl of international people and their international germs. And, you know, it would be tough to continue. But then, yeah, I mean, I'm just curious, what was your... So I stopped packing and unpacked what little I had already in my bag and canceled most of my stuff and luckily mostly got refunded. Not totally, but mostly. Yeah, but I'm just curious from from afar, what was your news? I think when I remember on our group chat, you woke up to this news. So what was your reaction when you saw that India Wells, which is one of the which is one of the biggest tournaments, obviously, to lose? I woke up to 71 messages from our group chat, just ours, <laughs> let, <laughs> let alone others. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, I mean, in a way, I wasn't really surprised because like I said, I had just finished covering a tournament, which I think most of us, most of us, like the rest of us, were not really covering anything that week. That's right before Indian Wells, uh, because it was Davis Cup. So unless you were covering Davis Cup, but like I was on site, like Monterey or something, exactly. Yeah. But like I was on site, and literally one day there were ball kids, and the next there wasn't. And this is not a lower tier thing. This is Group One Fed Cup, and there were no ball kids because parents freaked out. It was one of those things where everything was happening on the fly in terms of like literally you sit with the referee and be like, hey, can you give gloves to the kids or can you not let the kids hold the towels? And then literally the next day it's happening, you know, like everything was escalating every single day. So I wasn't really surprised because honestly, with tennis, like you said, everyone is coming from all these different countries. You really cannot trace who's coming from where. And all it takes is yeah. one person to test positive because that's literally what happened at the cycling event. Two people tested positive. Everything was shut down immediately. And imagine with tennis, with shared locker rooms, shared media centers, shared stadiums, like the stadiums, obviously. It's just so much yeah. contact. The restaurant, yeah. Everything. So much. All it takes is for someone to hand a receipt over to you that someone had like sneezed on or like even half a cough on, you know, it's. I can, it's, yeah, tennis is a lot in terms of the travel. I don't think any other sport has the kind of travel that we do week in, week out. And just everyone is coming from everywhere. Like when, when the players were leaving, I mean, I was talking to Sanya Mirza, who I feel for her because she left her kid to travel to, to Indian Wells and it got canceled while she was 
in the air, probably. So, like, mm. this is someone who flew from Dubai to Indian Wells, 16 yeah. hours, and then found out when she got there. But at the same time, like, the Indonesian team were flying back to Indonesia. Like, you're talking to all these different people going everywhere, and you're like, it, with tennis, it's impossible to control if something happened. And from, like, there was, I mean, it was ironic, there was a Davis Cup tie that week between Italy and Korea, which are two of the biggest virus hotspots. Yeah. I mean, and, like, Indian Wells would have had players from from northern Italy, which is, like, one of the biggest concentrations, from China, from mm-hmm. other places in the world. They were all having it. I mean, like, yeah, so it would have been... And this is what I, I, I sort of... I think I made a tweet when I had an analogy of, like, if they decided to go all with the tournament, it would have been, like, walking a tightrope in, like, high winds. Mm-hmm. Because, like, how... Because if you have... Four, you av- This tournament averages over 400,000 people coming in attendance. Mm. If just one of them tests positive, like, how do you keep going with the event? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And... And so I think I think it was a bit inevitable. And that's why also I'm skeptical. Miami Open is saying that it's still going to continue mm. at this point. Uh, there's still 10 days to go for that tournament to make a decision fully. And uh, a lot of players are in limbo. And one, I mean, we'll have a couple other episodes, programming note, a couple other episodes uh, from a me- more medical perspective and hopefully get a player on here too to talk about what it's been like from there. You should also speak to to any of the yeah. players in Kazakhstan because the, the challenge... Yeah, I've heard about this Kazakhstan. You, can you explain this? this yeah, thing I, was I spoke. That. I spoke briefly to Safwat today. Safwat, Mohammad Safwat, the Egyptian player, he's actually the top seed in Kazakhstan. I just texted him to check on him because I saw that the list of withdrawals was insane. Like there's so many alternates that made it in, and then after that, the retirements and walkovers also was a lot. And then I didn't get it. And then he explained it to me that Kazakhstan has like announced some sort of uh, law or, or not law, but like policy that prevents like. Uh, Italians and French and Spaniards, certain countries, just prevents them from being there. Germans, I think, maybe. German, yeah. Germans as well. I saw that, well. like, two Germans pulled out. Yeah. But the thing with the Germans I mean, is yeah, one, so of, like an one of... One of the Germans played his first round and then had to leave. So, because it was either leave or be quarantined. Yeah. You don't want to get stuck in Kazakhstan. So, yeah. so, it was like... But at the same time, like, imagine that you're already at a tournament and it already started and then you're singled out... Um, like b- because of where you're from that you have to leave i think i think that yeah. it's it's get it again it's just shows how everything is escalating quickly and things are changing quickly so you can't even plan anything a week in advance because you don't know what's going to happen no yeah no and i and i heard that the tours were advising players uh hey if you want to miami is still going on to increase your odds of being able to play in Miami, don't leave the U.S. because mm-hmm. who knows what the border situation will be like leaving or entering countries in 10 days. Well, that's why I'm in Dubai right now. Because if I leave, I might not be able to come back uh, as an Egyptian because mm-hmm. there is a restriction against Egypt from most of the Gulf countries. Right. And there's restrictions within the Gulf countries. So like Emiratis can't go to Saudi, Saudis can't come here. Like there's been restri- there's restrictions in the region and a lot against Egypt yeah. as well. And I think it's because they don't trust e- Egypt's testing because we have a surprisingly low count of cases, which doesn't make sense. So no one trusts us. <laughs> but like if I go to Cairo, which I'm supposed to go, I was supposed to go already and then I pushed my flight and then now it's on Sunday and I need to come back to the UAE to apply for the UK visa for later to be able to make it to Wimbledon. I I usually am very strategic with how to do these things because there's always like these tiny windows where I have all the documents that I need to apply. And if I try to make it back that they might not let me in or they might quarantine me for 14 days first or whatever. I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm not leaving. 
Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, it's a, it's a, like, you obviously have had a complicated you know visa situation for a long time. I know we've talked about that a lot, but it's also just like every everyone is sort of having to be thinking ahead and comp and strategizing and people who you know and and like more things are coming and I guess just today they announced Fed Cup is being postponed the Fed Cup finals which were scheduled for Budapest in April. Um, I guess the question now like is like when. I, I mean, like, okay, I'll say this now. Ten days out, we don't know. We're just all sort of watching this as it go, goes along. This is all very unprecedented. We've never had anything like this in modern times in pro tennis. Forever. Probably in the whole professional era of tennis, there's never been any period quite like this. So we don't know what's going to happen. Assuming Miami doesn't happen, or doesn't happen with fans anyway, I guess. Mm. I mean, that's the, one, that's the one scenario we can talk about now, I guess, maybe. Mm. Is what do, you th- what do you think of this idea of holding, which other sports have been doing, I'll say bigger sports mostly, have been doing is uh, holding uh, games with empty stadiums or only essential personnel, basically no fans. Would that work for tennis? I'm I'm skeptical of that as just like from a business model for tennis, like how how it would be. And I've heard people joke like, oh, we already have that. It's called the Asian swing. But, you know, I've if there are tournaments that have no ticket revenue, like the Miami Open, it would lose so much money, I would think. I don't think that tennis is making back its money in TV ratings. I just don't think that. Actually, in general, sport doesn't make its mu- the big like the, the biggest percentage of money is not made from uh, of revenue isn't made from tickets because obviously it's TV rights deals, right. sponsors, then everything else. So I think it's one of those things that it's not great, but it's going to be more about just being weird rather than it being a massive obviously okay if you have four hundred thousand people who go to a tournament that's that's a big number and that's money but it's not something that will will hit the tournament in a way where if you lose a tv rights deal or if you lose a sponsor because there's millions and millions of them is different percentage i mean at least when i did i i did research on that once for a football thing uh, and in football, definitely the the stadium, like the revenue from tickets, is not n- nothing compared to the rest. Right. No. And I, and, I, and I think it's a different equation just for tennis because tennis, like compared to like the Golden State Warriors, just announced they're going to hold. Yeah, because merchandising and stuff. I know we don't have merchandise. I know tennis doesn't have merchandising, which is a big no. Thing but but also stuff. just like we we but we have we have such a focus in tennis, as you know, on like VIP suite stuff, on like super high elite fan level experiences on like activation booths or sponsors all over the ground on food and drink, obviously, which is at every sporting event, but tennis is like tries to be more of a lifestyle thing a lot of times. Mm. And if you're not making any of that money, if you're not getting any suites, any sponsor visits, any, anything, and then will the sponsor contracts, like their, whatever sponsor signed for the tournament, will they still be obligated to pay a full rate sponsorship for an empty stadium? I don't know about that. So, I mean, yeah, I just think that I, I think tennis because tennis I see as being a more niche sport than the NBA by a lot. You know, I don't know that it has the tennis. I, I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know the math. Maybe someone else does. Maybe we can talk to somebody else who does. But like, how tennis would survive as a TV only sport compared to other places? Well, usually with with team sports in listen in football uh, in football in Egypt we haven't had fans in stadiums since twenty twelve. 
because of the massacre we had in Port Said and all of that, people died. Blah, blah, blah. So there's no, mm. for security reasons, there ha- there ha- we have had no fans, mostly no fans since 2012. So obviously now yeah. Europe is starting to see that and they're kind of shocked about it. And for me, it's like we haven't had that since 2012. And of course it sucks because football without fans sucks. With team sports in general, the, the money comes from basically TV rights, sponsors and merchandising all of the and the stuff like uh, the branding on their t- on the jerseys and stuff like that when you can so like obviously you can't compare because tennis doesn't have a, a big element of that i still think that tennis can survive financially in a way if we're talking about the actual tournaments especially the bigger ones because somehow maybe they'll have to do change the deal and make it about like okay you will give you more visibility on on court so that the cameras can show more something or something like that you know what i mean it's it's workable it's not great but it's workable i feel i don't know i don't know i don't know how damaging in that yeah. sense we'll see yeah i don't and i'm not sure how long term that could be i don't know i think the bigger issue which one of the players i think it was Kirsten flipkins who posted that on twitter recent uh, like a few hours ago is the fact that some tournaments are getting cancelled and some are not when it's a sport that is based on points and people are trying to get points. So if you're taking away some of the opportunities, mm. but not equally for everyone, then you be, it's, it becomes a matter of luck. Oh, I was scheduled to play Prague. Oh, I was scheduled to be, play Madrid. But Madrid is not going to be cancelled. It's going to be played behind closed doors, whereas this, this one's cancelled. So just by a matter of luck, yeah. you're losing a playing opportunity based on where you chose to play. And I think that is yeah. a big problem because then you don't you don't know what's the tour going to do to make it fair for everyone. You have to redo all the entry lists pretty much. Yeah. I mean, it would. Yeah. And this is an issue. I guess WTA already had this year with Budapest being canceled. Mm-hmm. Uh, the WTA Budapest tournament in February canceled for non-corona reasons uh, just because they had to screw up with the logistics of not having a venue to hold it basically or getting shifted around between cities and mm-hmm. big organizational screw up there. Um, and the players who were entered there had nowhere to play that week for the most part. I mean, I think it was the same as Dubai, maybe that so week. They, so yeah, that's why the qualifying. Some of, some of them got into Dubai qualifying. Yeah. But was... like Allison Van Oytvank, who had been defending champion, didn't get any chance to defend that title. Mm-hmm. And I know people like this week are talking about, oh, you know, poor Dominic Team, who doesn't get defense, a chance to defend his thousand points from winning Indian Wells. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and yeah, that's that's rough. But I guess with that, uh, with Indian Wells... Everyone else is not going to get any points that week. So it kind of equalizes the situation. Whereas, I think so. Where it, is, it gets more difficult when it's the international level in the 250s. And like when, when you have a choice, when it's a week that has multiple tournaments, and then one of them is, is not going to be held and the other is going to be held. I think that's when it's going to get yeah. very tricky. And it's the same with the challengers. Yeah. The challenger tour now at this at this point, it's literally mania because that those are the players who need the money the most and the points the most. And sometimes the play, the tournaments are being canceled altogether. Like we saw Braga is canceled, the one in Portugal. Like, And then at the same time, you have people who are in Kazakhstan, some of them playing, some of them are not because of where they're from. That, that's when it's getting very tricky, I think. Yeah. No, and, and, there, and there's questions to be had about like, what should the, should the ranking system adjust somehow? Should it let... Mm-hmm ranking points stay on longer 52 weeks which i think is a, a sort of weird scenario one thing that i could see is if and it's also tricky because like we're saying this is, we're in this sort of partial semi shutdown mode right now mm. if it totally stops it's pretty easy i think if it mm-hmm. totally stops for like three months mm-hmm. and they say like we're gonna start with three months then you can like let those points 
stay on until the tour resumes. So they count like for your next entry or something and then fall off mm-hmm. or, or I don't know, or, or something like that. But yeah, it's just, we're in this weird, everyone's still figuring this out. Everyone is still th- coming out with a, with their own plans. You know, tours are dealing with this kind of on the fly. The t- players are dealing with it on the fly. Their player councils are meeting all the time. or having calls all the time to discuss it. And we don't know. I mean, like, I mean, yeah, like the next term is coming up. I mean, Miami is the very next one. And, and there are cases of coronavirus in Florida. And the what the, the reason that Indian Wells cited or the BNP Paribas Open cited for canceling was that there was a confirmed case in like the region mm. in the Coachella Valley where the tournament's held, which is just just one case. Yeah. Which to me seemed like a weird sort of threshold. Um, or just like uh, if it took one, you know, you would have to assume one would be coming very soon. Or that this, inter- like we said, the international mixing of people would bring some contagion. I mean, just odds are with, you know, global infection rates, like somebody out of those 400,000 people will be positive for the virus mm-hmm. right now. So, yeah, I, it, it's just a question of when it all normalizes. And then obviously Rome, which is in Italy, one of the most affected countries currently, is a master's event a couple months away now. It's hard to imagine Rome happening. I can't right imagine now. Rome happening. I can't even imagine Madrid no. happening, even though there was a statement today from yeah. the Spanish Tennis Federation saying that all of the ten- tennis events will be played behind closed doors without fans. But who knows? I mean, why Why is that any better? Because if it's a combined event and there's media there, I don't even know. Do they want media there? Is there not going to be media there? I don't know. I honestly don't, don't, don't know how that's going to work because there's still a lot of people on site in a small space. Uh, sharing yeah, space. No, so and all the same locker room. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the tricky part also is that a lot the decisions about canceling tournaments some some of the time it, it depends on the owner of the tournament. The decision can come from that, right? And sometimes and sometimes it's local government. And sometimes some, it's out of the it, tournament. Exactly. Hands. So it's there's so many variables. So for example what what's yeah. ha- what's affected the challenger in Kazakhstan and what affected Fed Cup is that Hungary decided something, Kazakhstan decided something, okay? Whereas in the case of Indian Wells, as far as I understand, it was not the decision of the tours it, or the or the county. It was the, the the owners of the tournament. But it was also but it was also under the advice of they the way they phrased it was like under the advice of like the county and the state, like we are stopping. Yeah, but they, but, they the, made it clear they can, yeah. but it's anyway, like from what I'm hearing in general, it was more. It, the the decision for it not to be played was not solely because of that. But anyway, the the thing for me is, is it actually useful to have the tournament without fans or not, or just canceling is better? Like that that's what I don't know. And also in our in in our sport, whether as media or as players, we have to plan everything way in advance, right? Whether it's players, they have to make the cutoff at a certain date and enter a tournament at a certain date, certain date, and we have to book flights and book hotels and blah blah. blah. And now, literally, we cannot plan even two weeks ahead because we don't know what's going to happen. I, I was supposed to cover Fed Cup, and I did, I'm not going, obviously. And this is, it was a month notice, so that's good. But as of right now, and anyone tells me, like, where are you going next? I have no idea. I'm just staying put because yeah. we don't know what country we can go and get stuck in. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know. Right. No, we don't know, and, and we don't know. Yeah, where to go? And yeah, from both of us being freelancers, mm-hmm. you know, we are and tennis players are sort of independent contractors in a way. But us, yeah, like I am currently, you know, to put it bluntly, I said to make like almost no money in the month of March because there's no work happening in Indian Wells. Yeah, I get. To, I wrote a story about you know about the tournament getting canceled, so I'll get paid for that. 
but beyond that, it's just, and it's tough to know when the next, you know, work is coming or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so suddenly everything dries up very quickly. And so people like us are much more susceptible to this. And, and freelancers are always vulnerable to this, you know, uncertainties in the market. But this is obviously a much more severe, sudden one and wide reaching one that I think anybody would have seen coming. And it's understandable why. Like, I, there's also I can see it's so many people complaining about the fact that it, they found out last minute or they found out from social or from, you guys. This is happening on. Yeah, I don't understand. Oh, oh and the found out, from, the found out from social thing I'll mention here. I thought that was ridiculous. First of all, the, all the players who were complaining about that, they all got an email simultaneously, or even maybe like a couple of seconds before. It's not the tournament's fault that you're checking Twitter before you're checking your email. Yeah, and, and that you know that news gets out first. And yeah. yeah, why should they know before the fans who are going or the media fans. who are going? I or like, agree. like, like right. it's I fun agree. again. And it is an emergency situation, you guys. It's it's it is happening very fast. I mean, when we were in Australia, that's when all of this was kind of starting, and and look how fast things have changed since. Like, yeah, no, I, I flying home from Australia in January. I remember because there had already been a bunch of cases in Wuhan yeah. by then, and a little bit elsewhere in China. And there were some in Australia too. There were a few in Melbourne. Yeah, and there was like there. a couple in Australia. Yeah, like yeah. like one or two. Mm-hmm. And I remember being in the Melbourne airport, flying home, and just being this bizarre visual of these like women working in duty free, selling like perfume or well, I have like perfume samples, but they're wearing face masks. Mm. And I was like, it's so weird that you're selling perfume and you can't even breathe it in. It's just a very odd visual of like, here, come smell this thing that I refuse to smell for health reasons. Uh, anyway, it's just it's weird. and It's going to keep getting weird. And- yeah, I mean, it, it's escalating fast. And I don't think it's one of those things where you can blame people and say, oh, they should have saw this coming or they should have done thought about this sooner. No, literally things are changing on a global In tennis, scale. no. In tennis, no. Yeah. From a government health preparedness angle, yeah, you can scrutinize things for sure. Yeah, but, like, but um, I mean, in tennis, you can because you're, like I said, like there's so many variables you're, and we don't know. And for me, honestly, I, def, like you said, there is a lot of uncertainty for us, even on a personal level in terms of work. But if I have to lose work because of something this big, I'm like, okay, like I'll just stay put and wait and yeah. then work harder later. Like, I don't know. <laughs> there's literally nothing. It's out of our control. Do. Yeah. yeah. No, and it won't last forever. We we do not know how long it's going to last. That's sort of the that's sort of the I think the most uh, discomforting thing about this is that we just don't know how long it's going to go. Yeah, we don't know. Like, will there be any more tennis? Let's go big picture. Like, any more tennis this year? Big picture, we don't know. Like, any more? Will there be the summer? Will be not? I don't know. Should we find other jobs? I mean, for me, the 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 next big question is: Will there be slams? Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like. French Open with all the investments they put in to have a roof and all of this and French Open I would think now going back to our previous discussion about fanlessness I would think that the slams is where I would think the balance would shift towards making empty stadium tennis like almost definitely viable like you'll get ratings for grand slams Mm -hmm. on tv and those are much more lucrative deals than your average tour event and so I would think that like if the empty stadium thing is allowed and we don't know how things are going to be in France with the virus. France is one of the countries where the rates are climbing pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. It's a neighbor to Italy and a neighbor to everybody where we are seeing the rates climb pretty quickly. But like in, you know, French Open starts in two and a half months. Like if things are in an okay place, I could maybe see French Open happening or Wimbledon mm-hmm. a month after that. Now it would also be wild to see players come into the French Open with zero prep. 
Yeah, that's another thing as well. I mean, where are they going to play if Europe is is rough right now? I kind of want like I would love to see like some uh, some players come up with like a way to just like periscope stream matches or have like a pay-per-view periscope like hey like come watch me play a practice match against my friend here in Bradenton like <laughs> you know we're playing for 50 bucks come on you know you want tennis and have it be I don't know I would be I, I, I look forward to hopefully coronavirus creating some creativity and its captives because we all have a lot of time now <laughs> <laughs> well the first thing that came to mind to me was that if there's no clay this year Sasha Bublik and Nick Kyrgios are going to be very very happy <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> that there is no clay this year. If that happens, that's like the first thing that came to mind. Because uh, I had the most hilarious right. conversation with Bublik about clay and how he's like, "You're you're born." He said that he said, "Look at me, look at me. Can I play on clay? What can I do on clay?" And then he's like, "So I have to make all my points before the clay season comes." And I was like, "Or you can get better on clay." And then he said, "No, you're born with it." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay." Sasha Bublik, by the way, a player, and hopefully, actually, I have an NCR interview recorded with him. It's kind of like, I'm not even sure if it's how publishable it is. I know. Probably actually, how, half my he's, interview he's, was he's all over the He's yeah. all over the place when he talks. Like He's, he's a hard person to, track, to keep track of I know. in a conversation. But Bublik did, like, win a set off dominate team at the French Open. Yeah. Like, he's not useless. No. And he went, like, deep in the fourth set, too. True. So. But yes, I mean, even anyway. transcribing him was a challenge, but that's a whole other story. Anyway. Anyway, Reem, thank you for being here. Thank you for signing on uh, to chat with us here. Uh, people should keep following you and your Patreon, by the way. Patreon.com slash right? Yep. Thank you very much for that plug. Of course. And we'll plug ourselves too. Patreon.com slash no challenges remaining is where you will find uh, us continuing to bring whatever. And we would love suggestions, seriously. If there's any kind of content you want, and it doesn't have to be coronavirus related. If you want us to all talk about, you know, our favorite, you know, colors of tennis courts or something, I don't know, or, or our favorite, you know, TV shows that involve, I don't know, uh, Gilbert Gottfried. Who knows? Who cares? Whatever. <laughs> like, it, it, we can do any, anything you would want for us to do. Uh, we are here at your disposal, at least in the abstract with a lot of free time as we prepare and hunker down for all these things and self-quarantine and whatnot. Thank you, Reem, for being here. Thank you guys for listening. As always, if you want to follow along NCR when you're not listening, the best way to do so is on Twitter at NCR underscore tennis. You can also send us questions, comments, reactions, your coronavirus coping strategies in a possibly tennisless time to no challenges remaining at gmail.com. We are also on Patreon and want to thank our backers there, including the ones who have signed on since our last episode which includes Senyuk de Prabhu, Andrew, and Nicholas Fantini. We also want to thank our Slam Champ backers, Chuang Nguyen, Jonathan Weinbaum, Liz Kennel, and Betty, as well as our GOAT backer, J-O-D. If you want to join us on Patreon, we'd really appreciate it in these thin times in the tennis workload. Patreon.com slash no challenges remaining. We hope you all are staying safe and staying entertained wherever you are as this thing travels across the globe. Bye, guys. The kisses of the sun were sweet. I didn't blink. I let it in my eyes. Like an exotic drink, the radio playing songs that I have never heard. I don't know what to say. Oh, not another word. Just like